Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Vegas 10, Angela Hill versus Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson, and Shaq is going down this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada. Angela Hill finally getting rewarded for all her hard work, and she's going to be taking on the fan favorite, Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson, in the main event. Yeah, you know, Karate Hottie Michelle Watterson, she's been a, a household name for a long time. And Angela Hill, she, you know, she's kind of had a shaky past, but it's definitely got to respect the hard work that she's been putting in. Now she's a 12-8 and 8 fighter. You know, her last fight was very controversial. Um, and, and I know she's looking to get back in there, you know. So now she gets a – I know this wasn't the original main event, but, hey, it's a big opportunity for both of them, especially for Watterson, you know, who, who's coming off two losses back-to-back. So, you know, it's a good opportunity to, for, for them to get some shine out there and and you know possibly take a, a big step up in the rankings yeah no doubt about it obviously angela hill making history uh being the first ever african-american woman to headline a ufc event and michelle watterson uh always puts on an exciting fight obviously she had a main event with joanna and jacek even took joanna's back in that fight which uh, not many people can do so i'm excited about this main event make sure you'll check us out at bestfightpicks.com and check let's get right down to business because first up in the lightweight division we got a matchup between brock weaver he's 15 and 5 and jalen turner is 9 and 5 Currently, they got Jalen Turner minus 325. The comeback on Brock Weaver is plus 250. Well, Shaq, firstly, this is a very exciting fight. But, man, it's a very frustrating fight just for me personally. And I'll tell you why. I had uh, the plus 160 on Jalen Turner to go out there and beat Tiago Moises. I thought that was a really good fight for him. That fight got canceled. I was going to take the plus 190 on on Weaver to go out there and beat Frank Camacho. I thought that was a very good fight with uh, for him. But this fight, man, at this current line, I do kind of lean Turner, but there's not much value there. So I think this is a dogger pass situation, but I got I to gotta slightly lean Turner here, man. He's got a lot of physical advantages. And uh, one thing about Weaver, you know, I know Turner's been knocked out in the past, but Weaver isn't really known for knocking too many people out. He's more so known for, you know, kind of having the these three-round brawls. And, you know, he clinches guys up against the fence. He can take their back. And one thing I like about Weaver, though, is after his last fight against Roosevelt Roberts, he felt like he really got embarrassed to a point where he needed to move out of Alabama and he actually did this camp at ATT so he's been training with you know Francisco Trinaldo, Charles Rosa and you know all the great people all the great fighters they have over there so that's a step in the right direction and man I feel for him because I truly believe he was going to go out there and beat Frank Camacho but this fight is tough I kind of don't like the two weight cuts for Jalen, even though last time I brought up two weight cuts, uh, OSP went out there and beat Alonzo no no problem at all. So maybe it's not even a big deal at all. But I know that cut to 55 can be brutal, especially for a six foot three guy. But I'm still going to lean Jalen Turner here. I think he's the longer man. I think he's I think he's the more talented guy here, to be quite frank. But uh, it, it's I'm kind of sketched out at this line, Shaq. I'm not going to lie. I think it's a dog or pass situation, but I'll take Turner. Yeah, you know, uh, you make some good points. You know, I'm personally not really high on either guy. You know, I think Turner is definitely more offensively gifted, but Turner's a guy where I feel like, man, if he gets put under pressure, that he he could fold. And and I've seen him get knocked out more than one time by, you know, uh, you know, by by lesser competition. I, I understand he was young at the time uh, of those knockout losses. But, you know, at the same time, let's just be honest here. I think I said it before his Moises fight. I mean, the guy's beaten uh, two guys that don't belong in the UFC, in my opinion, and Callan Potter and um, and Koulibaly, you know, it was a 45er. So, you know, uh, Brock Weaver, I, I, I said before his fight with Roosevelt, I don't think he's UFC level. I will say with Brock, at least he's tough. At least he comes to fight. At least he has a spirit about himself. At least, he, you know, he's not... It's just that he kind of doesn't really have the skills. I mean, you look at his contender series fight, and this was the kind of alarming thing for me. I know he won every round in that fight against Rashad Evans' cousin, but man, Rashad Evans' cousin was dealing with some type of injury in that fight, and I just felt like the the margin between them for for somebody that was fighting someone kind of injured. I mean, the rounds were still like kind of somewhat close. Like the guy didn't throw any strikes. Brock didn't really get tested. And then we turned that around into the Kazula Vargas fight, which the fight didn't last that long. But let's just be honest here, Daniel. Me and you both know Kazula Vargas probably ain't winning a UFC fight. And he was out there, you know, molly whopping Brock Weaver, taking him down, beating him up for, you know, uh, for however long it lasted. 
And then Roosevelt Robert, he, he got severely outclassed and beaten in every aspect of the game. So, you know, uh, Brock Weaver, you know, I feel like this is his job's on the line. I, I personally don't think he's UFC level, but in this matchup, I think there's some value just because Turner is like, I feel like he still has a lot to prove, man. This guy is a guy that me and you a, a year or so ago was saying, you know, doesn't belong here. You know, he's got no chin. And, you know, I know he's got two wins, but let, let's see him beat someone. This is be his first, like, real, real win, in my opinion. You know, I don't – I like Callum Potter. Those are tough guys, but they, they, they're they slow. They, they're punching bags. They don't they – don't, they're not going to be here in a, in a year. So, you know, uh, I'm interested to see this fight and how he does. I'll pick him. But I think there's some value on Brock. I, I don't think Turner should be – that high against too many people unless we're talking like a 45er and Callum Potter. But, you know, we'll see if Brock is on is is on that level of uh, UFC fighter, too. Now, next up at the heavyweight division, we got a matchup between Alexander Romanov. He's 11 and no. And Roque Martinez is 15 and five. Currently, they got Alexander Romanov minus 280. The comeback on Roque Martinez is plus 220. Well, Shaq, uh. Romanov once again opened a huge favorite. He opened minus 400. Now he's only minus uh, 280. He's taking on Roque Martinez. And look, Martinez is an experienced guy. He's had over 20 pro fights and actually uh, holds a win over UFC light heavyweight prospect Daoun Jung. So, I mean, he's been in there with some tough guys. But it seems like every time he steps up in competition, to an extent, he loses. You know, he lost to JQ and lost to Mirko Krokop. What, what do you think about uh, Alexander Romanov's UFC debut here? Yeah, you know, I actually think this is a better fight for him. Uh, I know De Lima doesn't have any ground game, but man, Romanov's striking. I'm not going to say it's shaky, but I, I, it worries me. I don't like the way he leads in with these kicks with his hands down, and I feel like his record is very inflated. I know the guys that he fought had good uh, records, but man, if you look into those guys, man, they're seen wherever, where he's from, Moldova. Uh, Moldova, wherever local scene, I'm telling you, man, the, the, the heavyweights are like middleweights and they're like 205ers. Like, Romanov is not no rush, like this serious Russian. Like, I think he's uh, he, he's all right, but I, I think this is a better fight for him. Roque Martinez, kind of like a you know, a tough, uh, you know, journeyman type of fighter, uh, decent everywhere, but I think Romanov should be able to out physical him especially in the clinch, maybe get him down a few times. But uh, he needs to, you know, be safe on the feet because I see him make a lot of mistakes that I feel like at heavyweight in the UFC. Like DeLima, I really felt like he could have could have put him down early possibly. But uh, I think he'll get the job done here. Yeah, I mean, look, according to the odds, this is a much better matchup for Alexander Romanov than the Marcin Tybora or the Marcos Rogerio de Lima Pesau fights were. So it's interesting that he was uh, like close to a pick in those fights. He's a big favorite here. But, I mean, like you said, Roque Martinez, the times he stepped up, he's lost. And he's just kind of like you said, uh, just a, an average fighter. But, you know, he's got 20 pro fights, so we got to give him a little credit. But, yeah, I agree, man. I think that Romanov can get off on his takedowns here. You know, he's got that Moldovan background, and he goes for mad takedowns, and, you know, he's got some funny-looking ground and pound. Uh, the only thing I didn't like is in that last fight versus some dude that, you know, I think might have had a losing record or, you know, clearly didn't belong. Like, dude got back up, like, from the first takedown, no problem. So that kind of worried me, but eventually he got him down again. He finished the fight. Uh I'm going to take Alexander Romanov here to to win this fight. I kind of wish I knew more about Roke. Even though he's had 20 fights, I want to see how he performs like in the UFC. But I got to go with Romanov here to get this done. Now, next up in the Bantamweight division, we got a matchup between Julia Avila. She's 8-1, and one, and Sajara Eubanks is 5-4. and four. Currently, they got Julia Avila minus 290. The comeback on Sajara Eubanks is plus 245. I like this fight a lot, Shaq, because obviously Julia Avila, she's been going out there. She's been doing her thing. She's been knocking girls out in the first round, which is something that's always very exciting to watch. And uh, I've been seeing a lot of people saying that this is a, a dog or pass fight, and I get where they're coming from. You know, oftentimes when you see, uh, you know, these competitive women's fights, they go to split decisions. So when you see like a plus 245 dog, I understand why you can be tempted. The thing is that I really only see Sajara having success in that first round, man. I feel like Sajara might even come out here and straight up win the first round. But historically speaking, she does tend to slow down and 
you know, sorry to bring up the two weight cuts again, but two weight cuts again. And uh, she's already had an issue with, you know, her pacing after the first round. Now she's, you know, 35, 36 years old. So I don't really see that being something that's going to improve. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm completely wrong. But that's kind of what cost her in that Bech Kohea fight and in other losses. I'm going to lean with Avila. I think she's going to take over the second or third round, come out here and win a unanimous decision. Yeah, you know, this is one of those fights where, you know, I I, I'm, I got a Vila as well. It's just I do think the line's a little inflated just due to the fact that one's a lot more tested than the other one. You know, uh, I, I think Avila's got more talent, more potential, harder hitter. Uh, you know, you know I, I feel like she's got the higher ceiling for sure. It's just she her best win is Kianzad, you know, who was uh, on short notice for that fight. So, you know, uh, Eubanks, uh, like I said b- before her fight with uh, with Carol Rosa, I feel like she's a somewhat of a front runner. I feel like when the going gets tough that she kind of just, you know, falls apart. And if you, the, what, one common theme in all of her wins is, man, they're dominant. You know, they're landslide wins. You know, like Lauren Murphy, she won every round. Roxanne Mataferi won every round. But anytime there's like a back and forth, like where two, you know, they're both meeting – Toe to toe, man. She uh, she always falls. She always falls back. Aspen Lad two times. Uh, the Bechkoea fight, which is like, man, you can't beat Bechkoea at this point. It was like, you know, one in ten in her last few fights. Uh, it's kind of a, like, man, you can't look at look at uh, what Kianza did to Bechkoea, man. She Molly was out there Molly whopping her. So it's like. It's kind of alarming she couldn't do that, but I will say, you know, she does have the takedowns, which we have yet to see Avila, you know, you know, compete against someone, uh, you know, anyone relevant in that in that aspect of the game. Sajara does get takedowns. She she does have some good boxing, so I do think it's the best test. So minus three ten is a little much, but I got to go with Avila, man. I, I just don't like some of the intangibles from Eubanks, but we're gonna find out a lot about Avila. I feel like this is her her first like real real fight, uh, you know, uh, against a former a, ch- a chick that was supposed to you know fight for the title so uh we'll see what happens now next up in the lightweight division we got a matchup between bobby king green is 26 and 10 and alan patrick is 15 and 2 currently they got bobby green minus 255 the comeback on alan patrick is plus 215 so i got i gotta know if you agree with this line and the reason i ask is because uh I know Alan Patrick went out there and he didn't just lose his last fight. I know he kind of got embarrassed his last fight, but the fight prior to that, I know if you're a DraftKings player, you know exactly who Alan Patrick is because he went out there and scored nine takedowns against uh, Demir Hadzovich. But you know he's kind of a a one dimensional guy. He's very athletic. I mean, interestingly enough, he was the guy that was out there doing backflips at the weigh-ins uh, before Michelle Pereira. So I know you remember that, Shaq. But in this fight, uh. It's one of those situations, man, where I feel like Bobby Green does his best when he's fighting consistently. I like the fact that he's taking all these fights back-to-back in 2020. He's staying in shape, doesn't give himself a chance to get out of shape, to balloon up or to do anything among those lines. And I felt like his last fight against Clay Guido was the best he's looked, or actually his last fight, the the time we saw him against Lando Venata, uh, the rematch, that was one of the best performances of Bobby Green's entire career. So to see him, you know, at this point, still be able to go out there and put up numbers like that, put on a show like that, a well-rounded MMA clinic. I was very impressed with that. So how you see this fight going now, Shaq? Yeah, you know, I feel like Patrick, uh, he's got the, what, 15-2, and 16-2 and two record. But, man, I, I feel like uh, he, you know, like you said, one-dimensional, all that. Uh, Bobby Green, I, I, like you said, I like I like how he's fighting frequently. He's doing this just so he doesn't, you know, get out of shape because, you know, Bobby, Bobby's got a, a crazy life, you know, <laughs> he might, uh, you know, he's just trying to stay in there. So I like, you know, they used to call Bobby Mr. Short Notice back in the day, man. Uh, he's trying to get back to those ways. So, you know, um, I feel like a lot Patrick, the one thing he has going for him, he's big, he's strong, you know, and he can, he's a jujitsu world champion. I mean, he can hold on and clinch and, and, and hug on and try to backpack. But look at, let's just be honest here. Demir Hatsovich can't stuff a takedown for his life. We just saw, uh, we just saw what Moicano did to him in like what twenty some seconds, like boom, one. Demir, he can't even beat Christos Giagos, you know. He, Demir can't wrestle, you know. <laughs> so like, this is a proven fact. Um, and then you know uh, his other fights, like Stevie Ray. You know, I, I like Stevie beat Michael Johnson, but I I, I don't I, I wouldn't consider him a, a fighter on Bo- Bobby Green's caliber. Um, 
So, yeah, man, I feel like, yes, the line is wide, but I feel like, man, this is the best Bob. Like, we're getting Bobby three fights in a row. Like, we, we usually don't get this. Like, I feel like this means Bobby's actually taking things seriously right now. Like, uh, pretty much the majority of Bobby's career, you know, it, it's been kind of chaotic, man. Like, so now, you know, he paid off his house with the with the 50 G's uh with the 50 G's from the Venata fight, I feel like Bobby Green's always been known for his grappling. Who you ever seen out there just out grappling Bobby Green? I mean, it, the dude's grappling is slick as hell, man. He doesn't really have the submissions, but the wrestling and the scrambles are on point. So I feel like he can defend in those spots. He just, I mean, let's just be honest. There is times where dudes do hug his back, so it is a worry. Like Patrick is strong, he might be able to to make this a little closer early on than uh than a what's the line minus three something minus two seventy eighty something um minus two fifty five minus two fifty five so yeah you know I feel like uh he could make it a little sketchy early on but man Patrick has some bad bad habits on the feet where he's overextending with this left hand. And, you know, the Holtzman fight, it was kind of easy for Scotty to just slip that and, you know, bang the right hand and, and kind of make him look silly. So I feel like Bobby Green will make Alan Patrick look silly if he can make him tire out and make him strike. And then I think you're going to see Bobby Green start talking in there and uh, start, you know, smacking people around, like kind of like Michelle Pereira did last week, you know. Yeah, no, I feel like uh, having uh, no audience there, now the judges can actually see the work that Bobby Green's doing in there, and he doesn't just look like that guy that's talking shit the entire time. Now you can hear the sounds that the sounds of the shots that he's landing, so that's a really good thing. And I agree with you, Patrick is extremely one-dimensional, man. He's very athletic, though. I mean, he does have some nice capoeira ki uh, kicks, but once all that's done and it's time to get down to the nitty-gritty, I mean, you know, he will kind of dive from a mile out for these takedowns and if he doesn't get it he does not look that good so i think he only has one path to victory man i feel like he he has to him a lot patrick winning this fight is contingent on him laying on bobby green or maybe landing like a spin kick knockout which i don't see happening so he's got to lay on bobby green i don't think anyone's ever laid on bobby green uh, in the ufc ever uh so I'm going Bobby Green here. I think he pops back the head of Alan Patrick. I think he stuffs the takedowns. I think he keeps it standing. And I think he might actually uh, put on a show here. So I'm going Bobby Green and get it done. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Sabina Mazo. She's 8-1. and one, And Justine Keish is 7-2. and two. Currently, they got Sabina Mazo minus 245. The comeback on Justine Keish is plus 205. Shaq, I mean, Justin Keish has got wins over Nina Ansaroff, over Randa Marco. She's very experienced. She's been in the UFC for a long time. And Sabina Mazo has been a hype train this entire time. But I feel like she has been making progress. The thing is, do you think that the progress and the results she's shown warrant this uh, minus 245 price tag here? I feel like it's an interesting fight because it's like, you know, all the data would, you know, say this is a, a perfect spot for, for Mazo to come through. I mean, she's, I think, 10 years or more younger. Uh, you know, she's got, you know, not too many girls at 125 are going to be bigger than her. You know, she's super tall, super long. She comes from the good camp. You know, she's got all these Marvin, Benil, Giga, all these guys, you know, uh, helping her. I heard Cyborg's even been taking her under her wing a little bit. And then you got Keish, who's just tough. I feel like Keish, you know, isn't the same fighter she was, you know, around the Androff times and, you know, around those times. Like, you know, I know she had the knee surgeries. And, man, to be honest, like, I feel like Keish, you know, I feel like Keish really isn't that good, to be honest. I, I really wasn't impressed by her last performance against Pudalova. I feel like it was more of Pudalova just, like, I feel like Pudalova hasn't been the same since that Aldana fight. Um, I don't know what happened after that Aldana fight. It's crazy because one one went upwards and the other went completely downwards. But, you know, I feel like it was more so to put not pulling the trigger. And I feel like Keith uh, just is the same thing, man. She's aggressive. She's tough. She, she's going to push. But it's nothing, you know, you're never – she's more of a intangible. It's really about if – if is Mazo gonna let her push her against the fence and, and you know outwork her and Mazo, you know, in her three fights, they know the Moreau's fight didn't go her way. She did win the third round. The the thing is, I'm seeing is she. It seems like she drops the first round big. Like, you know, something just the first round. She just like 
isn't woken up yet. The J.J. Aldridge fight, she got tagged up a bunch of times, nose bleeding, but she was able to regroup and start to use her range, her length, and I feel like when she uses her range, her jab, and her and her, and her kicks, man, she can really, you know, land the head kick against these girls and, and start to do damage. It's just that, you know, these two fights, she has had to come from behind. So, you know, I don't think Keish has the offensive boxing like uh, like uh, J.J. Aldridge, you know, how J.J.'s got the left hand and uh, Marina Moroz. I mean, she's been doing her thing as well. She she also dominated Shayna Dobson. But uh, I will acknowledge Keisha's t- like Keisha will go for it, you know. At least you know Keisha will she'll press. It's just I, Keisha gets hit too much. She squares her stance a lot. Uh, I feel like she's at a, a big range disadvantage, and I really don't see any in, in, much improvement in the last years. I think she's tough, but I gotta go with Mazo minus two forty. Has she done enough to be minus two forty yet? But I think it's more so. I think it's more so just the physical things she has going for. You know, the age gap in between the the girls. Uh, histo- historically speaking, this usually goes in Mazo's favor. So I'll, I'll go with Mazo for a decision win. I just think she touches Keish up a, a little bit more than uh than Keish touches her. But we'll see if this is one of those close type of one one fights. You know. Man, I think it might be. You know, I was, like you were saying, you know, before the surgery, before the Felice Herrick fight, I was actually a little bit high on Justine Keish. I like the fact that she's super intense for the weight class. She can push a pace. She goes forward the entire time. And in a weight class like that, it's important to have someone that, you know, will just push that pace and, you know, fight the entire time. That's something we really liked about her because this weight class isn't really known for too many knockouts. So she can eat the shots, just go forward and break these girls. And you saw that in the fights against Yoder. You saw that in those fights she won. So I wish she could get back to that. It's been a long time since we've seen that. I agree with you. That Lucy Putulova fight, you know, all credit to uh, Justin Keish because she won that fight fair and square, no questions asked. But you're right. I mean, Lucy didn't fight that fight. I don't know why. I mean, credit to Keish, but... Lucy did not fight. I think Sabina's going to fight here. So I'm just curious what happens because it's like Justine's known for her output. And according to the numbers, Sabina has more output than her. Also, the 10-year age difference. There's a reach difference, a height difference. I'm going to lean Sabina Mazo here. I'm just not convinced she looks minus 250 in this spot. Uh, so I, it might be a dog or pass situation, but I'm, I'm going to lean with Mazo. We'll see what happens. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup, a grudge match, Shaq, between Roosevelt Roberts, he's 10-2, and two, and Matt Steamrolla Frivola is 8-1. and one. Currently, they got Roosevelt Roberts minus 115. The comeback on, on Steamrolla Frivola is minus 105. So, Roosevelt Roberts has been asking for Matt Frivola pretty much after every win for the longest time, and this Saturday night in Las Vegas, Nevada, he gets Matt Frivola. And interestingly enough, this is the third six foot three guy Matt Frivola has fought in a row. You know, he fought Jalen Turner, he fought Luis Pena, so he knows what that long body is like. And even though at times it'll look a little bit like he's a bit uncomfortable on the feet, I, I don't think that has to do with Frivola's skills. I think it more so has to do with you can fight ten six foot three guys in a row, and it's always going to be tough because I mean they got some natural uh, gifts, you know, some natural abilities and. Just that height is something to deal with. That reach is something to deal with. But that being said, man, look, I do acknowledge the fact that I think Roosevelt actually does have some better grappling than both Pena and Turner. But I also feel like there is a bit of a mean streak missing there. Um, I do notice him, you know, giving up a lot of position even in fights he wins. So that kind of leads me to believe that. You know, look, there is a chance that Roosevelt can choke him out because let's say Matt takes a bad shot, you know, those long arms, maybe Roosevelt can get off on a choke or something like that. But if that doesn't happen and no one gets finished, I see this being the kind of fight that's one-to-one going into the third round. And you know what's one thing I can rely on Matt Frivola for, Shaq? I know he's going to get that takedown in the third round when it's one-to-one. I know he can keep that top position. I know he's the guy that's going to dig deep, bite down on that mouthpiece, and go out there and get the dub. So... I'm going to pick Matt Frivola via controversial split decision here. Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, Frivola's an underrated guy. Roosevelt, very talented guy. You know, I feel like Roosevelt's got the better, probably the better skills, but Frivola's got the better will. You know, Frivola, you know, he... uh, 
the the issue with Frivola is he is a liability to get dropped. I mean, he is fighting, you know, six three guys. He gets dropped a lot in his fights. Let's just be honest. Like he gets hurt in a lot of his fights. But man, I love the that the kid just stays in there and he and these hustle spots, you know, the these uh chain wrestling spots like the like the Turner fight, you know, like you know, or Turner would stop the initial one, but then he'd stop and Frivola would just keep going like shit like that. You know, Frivola doesn't stop, man. He's a dog, you know, uh, and then Roosevelt, that's where I question. I feel like he's got the talent, but does he have that dog in him? And I think the reason why I say that is that last fight, you know, with Jim Miller, you know, for example, I know for a fact, I, look, Jim Miller's got a bunch of subs, nasty arm bars and all that, but I know for a fact, if you put Frivola in that spot, Frivola ain't tapping like that. Like, for, I felt like Roosevelt honestly didn't care. Like, it was like, uh, well, you know, he got me. I feel like Frivola would have been like, ah, like, you're going to have to break my arm. Like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to rip this thing off, bro, for me to, for me to tap. Like, I just feel like there's a big difference in the will and the heart between the two. So I feel like it's just going to be a matter of kind of like his, these last two fights with Pena and Turner of him not getting pushed back too much. And I mean, he has backed up against both those guys and they both caught him with some with some nice shots. And there's a good chance that happens here. It's just, man, if, if Frivola can just limit the amount of times that he gets wobbled and hurt, I know for a fact he will break Roosevelt Roberts. He's tougher than Roberts. He's willing to go to a to a deeper uh, place than Roberts. It's just a matter of, uh, Matt, please don't get hurt too many times, bro. You know, uh, it's a it's an issue for him. But, man, I re- he's in good shape. He stays running. He stays moving. And, uh, you know, and I feel like his striking's underrated too, man. He had some good success against Venata. Uh, I feel like he had some success against Turner too, catching him with, a, you know, overhand rights here and there. Um, so I feel like he is improving, you know, him and his teammate, Billy Q, man, he, they, they got those intangibles, man. They get, they turn it up on the fights, uh, when the fight gets in the late rounds, you know? How do you compare uh, Roosevelt Roberts' uh, striking ability and his, you know, danger factor to the last guys that Frivola fought, yeah, like you know, Pena like, and Turner? Yeah, I feel like he doesn't have. Like, I feel like Turner uh, has more power. Will probably take a little more chances, but I feel like uh, Turner, defensively speaking, it, Roosevelt's uh, uh, probably better than. I feel like Turner gets hit with like big shots too much. Um, and then Pena, yeah, I, I'd say Roosevelt has better striking than both of them. Pena's not that comfortable yet on the feet. Uh, but at the same time, man, Pena's out here fighting like fucking comma worthy and shit, like fucking uh, and some other guys. Who'd he fight again? Uh, who was his other loss? Uh, before comma worthy. Uh, oh, Frivola, yeah. But uh, but yeah, I think Roosevelt's got. I don't. I I just don't see. Him him knocking out Matt but yeah I feel like maybe he can stun him and then like you know take a bad shot possibly he does have those long arms but you know his last fight against Brock Weaver like I feel like Brock Weaver man was kind of (laughs) like almost like like I feel like Brock honestly he could have that was probably the best he looked but I felt like man like Brock just either throwing a one and two and then he was trying to press him and it just like wasn't working like I felt like he was just you know, honestly, not UFC level. So we'll see. Uh, I, but the thing I didn't like, man, in that Miller fight was just like, I felt like he didn't try to fight that arm bar, man. I just felt like he was like, look, I know it's Jim Miller. I know he's got a bunch of subs, but like, damn, I just know some other dudes would have been like in there scratching and clawing and trying to get out of that thing. You know, I felt like Roosevelt was just like, ah, you got it, you know. Yeah, I feel what you're saying. So next up in the welterweight division, we got the return of Brian Barberena. He's 14 and seven, and Anthony Ivy is eight and three. Currently, they got Brian Barberena minus 270. The comeback on Anthony Ivy is plus 230. So a lot to talk about in this fight, man. Obviously, Anthony Ivy his last fight. You know, if that's the only fight you've ever seen of him. I can see why you'd never pick him again, but when I heard the backstory, I mean, he said that he got the call, and literally, there was no training camp. It was basically, get the call, go cut weight, and then get into a fight with a guy with double-digit knockouts, so... I, I kind of feel for him. I feel like this time he had a full camp. This time he'll have a better account of himself. And with Brian Barberena, you know, shout out to James Lynch, but I heard James Lynch's interview with Brian Barberena. And uh, Barberena said that he started, you know, this camp at like 240 pounds. That's a 70-pound weight cut, man. That's a 
that's a lot of weight. Now I know you know he's probably you know 190 right now or whatever, no big deal. But I'm saying to start the camp at 240, to drop 70 pounds throughout this camp, that means that this camp was you know more about losing weight than it was about you know working on other skill sets or the strength and conditioning or, or whatever the case may be. So I don't know, man. That's really sketchy for me. How you see this one going down? Yeah, man, it's a good, it's an interesting fight to me because a lot of times, man, I've been learning you can't judge these dudes by the debut. You know, for example, Tyler, look at Tyler Santos. Like she, she lost to Mara Barella, like, <laughs> like, you know, and turns out, you know, in her post-fight interview, when she beat Molly McKinn, she said that she was extremely nervous, you know, <laughs> I think uh, I think it might have been like the first fight her mom ever went to or some shit like that. So it was like, you know, for, you know, you got and you know, like Anthony Ivy, like you said, he was probably a whirlwind. He probably wasn't even ready to go. Like, you know, Christian Aguilera isn't that good. And it is somewhat alarming that, you know, he kind of took one punch. But I feel like Aguilera. At this point, man, look, I, I love, I bet on, I bet on Barbie to beat Worley Alves and Sage Northcutt, man, back in the day. So, you know, I, I love Barb. It's just like, I thought Barb was retired. <laughs> you know, I thought, I thought he retired. But I think uh, what this is, man, is that Barb realized, uh, you know, owning and operating that farm, man, and, you know, it ain't cheap, you know, or uh, else can he come get a big payday like this, man? And, and, you know, man, like, just from, you know, I follow Barb on IG, man, these months, like you said, 240 pounds, like, I've been seeing heavyweight Barb, man, I've been seeing Barb, you know, uh, drinking beers, and, you know, out there on the farm, enjoying retirement, man, you know, uh, so, man, I actually think there is value on Anthony Ivy. I feel like this line is wide due to the fact that because, you know, a lot of people think he quit his last fight after one punch, and if that's the case, and Barb touches him, up here and, and he goes down then hey we'll we'll you know know that anthony ivy just isn't usc level but other than that i mean yeah yeah i know a stand-up isn't isn't very good but he's a, a grappler but man barb struggled in the grappling in the past you know he struggled when guys hold on to him and clinch him and uh i feel like anthony ivy's got some good athletic traits he's long and you know, I feel I, I feel like he'll show, have a better account of himself if he's actually coming to fight man i just realized that sometimes these debuts uh especially the short notice ones, man, they can be disastrous for some dudes, you know, uh, you know, it's like, it's pretty much, you have to come take this ass whoop into, uh, to get into the UFC. Um, but yeah, man, I wouldn't trust Barb at a line like that. At the Barb retired. Like I remember after the Randy Brown fight, he said he was done. He said, you know, I've had a good run, but, uh, this is it. And, you know, a lot of times, man, you come out of retirement and, you know, uh, Mm, I'm gonna go with Ivy, man. I think he, he gets the upset, man. I think he clinches on the barb. I think it's gonna be an ugly, ugly, ugly fight. You know, a sloppy fight. Uh, but I think he's gonna hug Barbarina, keep him in the clinch, and and win a close decision, man. I think there's some value on his line. I feel like we, we can't fully judge him based on that one fight. It's funny because I thought we were gonna disagree on this one, but listen. I agree with Barb being favored. We we don't gotta no one's gotta debate that with me. Barb should be the favorite here. Barb's been in there with better fighters. He's been in there with Colby, Leon, Randy, Vicente. Now granted he lost all those guys, but he's still been in there with all those guys. And you know, if you see Ivy get knocked out by Aguilera, you also know Barb's knocked out Jake Ellenberger and Joe Proctor in the first round. So he's got some first round knockouts too. But man, 240 pounds to 170 pounds in a span of a couple months. That just does not sit right with me. Now, I could be way off, and maybe at the at the weigh-ins, we see him with like a six-pack or something, but I just don't see that happening, man. It's like this guy used to be a 55-er, but but he likes to eat. He likes, he likes to drink his beer on a Sunday. You know what I mean? So he moves up to 70. Now it's like we're thinking he might need to move up to 85. So... I don't know, man. It's very sketchy, and at least with Ivy, like I told you, that last one, he got the call, cut weight, and then got into a fight. Didn't even have a camp. This time, he's going to have a full camp, so we're going to see what he's really about. Just because of where the line is, I'm going to take Ivy as well. We'll see what happens on Saturday night. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a matchup between Matt Chanelli's 14-5 and, and Tyson Nam is 19-11. 
currently they got Tyson Nam minus 115 and Matt Schnell's minus 105. So I just got to point out, Schnell actually did this camp at 4 to 7 May. So that's pretty cool. But, man, I feel like it comes down to basically one thing here. And you know exactly, you know damn well what that one thing is, Shaq. I mean, look, uh, Schnell is probably the better fighter across the board, except in one, uh, one very key spot. You got one of the best knockout artists in the history of the flyweight division and Tyson Nam taking on a guy with a historically weak chin and Matt Schnell. So, uh, period, point blank, do you think that Tyson Nam go, uh, comes out here and knocks out Matt Schnell? Yeah, man, uh, it's a good fight because Tyson, you know, coming off that vicious knockout, granted it was against a guy who I also don't believe it was a short notice guy. And then, you know, Schnell, who was on quite a lot of people thought he was on this resurgence. But, man, I'll go ahead and say that whole Matt Schnell resurgence talk was it was a it's a, a joke. I mean, he barely beat Naoki in a way in a back and forth fight. You know, he got the finish over Luis Smolka, who, you know, I like Smolka, but like, you know, come on now. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the win over Marco Beltran, man. So it was like, you know, and uh, he did finish Jordan Espinosa in the first round. I, I don't know what Jordan was doing in that fight. <laughs> like, uh, you know, but hey, he did do that. But man, what's kind of weird, like the way he fought against Pantoja, like I get it, you know, taking an elder Pantoja was probably expected, but it was the way he went about it. And the, like, I was like, dude, what are you doing? Like, he just came out and like, like almost kind of like was pulling at Agapova. Like, I'm like, bro, like, you know, there's 15 minutes to fight. Like he came out there trying to knock Pantoja out right off the bat, man, and, and kind of went on a, a mini suicide mission and got uh, knocked out in, brutal, in brutal fashion, face first. And, you know, that's not the first time uh, my boy Maddie's been been KO'd unconscious. Now, Tyson M, like you said, has dished out some vicious knockouts along his career. The issue with him is, is going to decisions, you know, like as, as the fights progress, he, uh, you know, kind of gets one-dimensional, doesn't throw kicks, only punches, a little flat-footed. But, man, you know, I feel like he's not fighting a Kai Car of France. You know, Kai Car of France was like top seven, eight, you know, like definitely a top 10 guy. And, uh, and Sergio Pettis, who was a top five uh, Bantamweight, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I feel like, yeah, Schnell is probably a little quicker on his feet, uh, more athletic, faster, uh, probably the, the better athletic fighter. It's just that, man, I feel like Tyson Nam's got a lot of reach. Uh, he has got a big presence about him. He walks guys down. Like, I like the spots he was in in the Kai Car France. It was just Kai Car France is too good. He, you know, those big right hands or, you know, Kai Car beat Paiva, you know? So, like, uh, I actually think Tyson Nam's going to come out here and get a knockout win, man. I actually think uh, that knockout win he just got might give him a little momentum. And, you know, so what if Snell did this camp at Fortis, man? And just, you know, you can still lose a fight training at Fortis. <laughs> you know, like, but, yeah, I, I feel like if Snell plays it smart, but, man, I feel like he's a, honestly a, a, more of a guy that kind of has to, you know, finish guys, man. He's more, you know, like, uh, I feel like if he has to go three rounds against anyone not named Marco Beltran or... Uh, you know, Mizuki Inoue's little bro, you know, uh, he might have, he might have trouble. So I'm actually going to go with Tyson Nam. I think he gets another vicious knockout on Saturday, man. I feel like he uh, walks Matt Schnell down and eventually finds a home for one of them right hands. Look, Matt Schnell is really exciting to watch and his technique everywhere is really awesome, man. It's just that, you know, it's like what Floyd Mayweather always talked about, you know, the kid can give it, but can he take it too? And it's been proven historically that he just can't take it so it's unfortunate he's gonna win a lot of fights off his skill alone i mean like i said he's good everywhere the fight goes there's not one spot that chanel is bad in it's just that you know this chin thing is not you know it didn't just start with the rob font fight i know you remember when it really started i know shaq knows the origins of when it started it started with that jonathan martinez ko it's just no one knows about it because you know, it says it, jonathan martinez knocked him out unconscious <laughs> yeah it's just it says it's a win for schnell so no one goes back and rewatches what actually happened he was knocked unconscious but it was an illegal knee so they called it a dq and officially it's a win on schnell's record but that's when the the chin issues really started then the robbie font fight and then the hector sandoval fight was very alarming i mean i was in attendance in nashville tennessee i saw that firsthand it was like a one-inch punch man it was like damn 
But I got to give him credit. He bounced back after that, got on a win streak, even beat Espinosa, which I did not expect to happen. But here, you know, he likes to brawl too much. And even when he kind of fights, you know, with that point fighting style and tries to get pretty in there, he's still open for counters. And I know Naoki, in a way, doesn't have that one-punch knockout power. I know Marco Psycho Beltran doesn't have that one-punch knockout power, but Tyson Nam does. I mean, he's been getting big knockouts for a long time, uh, you know, against Eduardo Dantes, against Ali Bagautinov. And I think Saturday night is going to add to that list. I'm going Tyson Nam be a vicious, uh, vicious knockout here. Now, next up in the light heavyweight division, we got a matchup between slow Mike Rodriguez, he's 11-4, and, and Ed Shortfuse Herman is 24-14. and 14. Currently, they got slow Mike Rodriguez, minus 245. The comeback on Ed Herman is plus 205. Man, this is interesting because first glance, I think it's a, you know, Mike Rodriguez first round KO or shit gets sketchy if it goes past the first round. They have a little clinch battle. Both guys love their Muay Thai clinch. Uh, Ed Shortfuse is very experienced. Uh, but I spoke to Tyson Chartier. You know, I had him on half the battle. I spoke to him and I, I asked him straight up. I didn't hold back. I, you know, said, look, Rodriguez is one of the most talented guys we've ever seen. You know, 6'4", the 80-inch reach, the whole bid, offensively speaking, is beautiful to watch. But what happens when it goes past the first round? Now, according to Tyson, he said that that's something that Mike Rodriguez has addressed, and he said that that's something that Rodriguez actually wants to prove that he can go three rounds. Now, I'd prefer for Rodriguez to come out here and get a first-round knockout than to prove that he can go three, but... At least it's something that the camp is aware of. It's something they're addressing, and it's something that they want to they wanna fix this issue. So at least they're tackling it head on. So I'm happy to hear that. But that being said, I'm still, I'm still worried because I got to see it to believe it. I'm still worried if this goes past the first. But I think there's a chance it doesn't go past the first. So I'm going to go with Mike Rodriguez via first-round knockout here. Yeah, you know, I feel like it's kind of like uh, Mazo and Keish. It's like... You know, all the data would say, you know, Mike should get on a, a two-fight win streak. He's more than 10 years younger. Uh, is he right? I'm pretty sure he is. Um, uh, he's more than 10 years younger. He's faster, stronger, younger, less damage, uh, even though he has taken some some uh, a knockout loss. But, you know, I feel like the dudes he lost to are actually somewhat underrated, John Allen and uh, – and uh, Da Eun Jung, you know, I feel like uh, those dudes are a lot younger. And Short Fuse, uh, look, Short Fuse is a vet, but let's just be honest here. He, he, I, I, I know he's on a, a win streak, but he fought a complete bum named Kadis Ibrahimov. And uh, <laughs> and uh, did you not see Kadis Ibrahimov's uh, UFC stand? I mean, it, it wasn't pretty. Then. <laughs> I mean, uh, and then uh, he fought uh, Patrick Cummins, who retired after that. So let's not forget that Ed Shortfuse uh, lost the decision. You know, when the fight did go past the first round to Jan Volante not too long ago, you know what I'm saying? So uh, let's just uh, not forget that. So, man, I feel like Rodriguez, yeah, you know, his clinch defense worries me. But, man, I don't really see Ed being a guy that, uh, you know, is out here looking for takedowns. I feel like he's more of like a manipulator in the clinch, like looking to land the knees. But, man, I feel like it's going to be very hard to do that against someone with the height and stature like uh, Mike Rodriguez, and I do see a big discrepancy in the hand speed. I feel like Rodriguez should honestly, if he's feeling confident now, now that he's got that easy knockout win over Prachnio, if he feel like he's gotten his mojo back a little bit, I feel like he should honestly come out here and run through Short Fuse Herman just like how he did Prachnio. Uh, Short Fuse is a tough guy to stop, but he has been getting wobbled. I feel like he doesn't move much. He's just a tough guy, you know, but I know he'll take, you know, I know he'll, show Cadiz in the in these you know young guys you know these uh those vet lessons but Rodriguez now that he's got some L's and he's got some more experience I actually feel like he will come out here and run through at a short fuse Herman uh probably touch him up with the left the left knee somewhere and get him out of there short fuse is a tough customer but there's been no improvement man he's just fought he fought you know a kid and uh and Patrick Cummins on his last fight so we'll see what happens but I gotta go with Mike Rodriguez now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Billy Q, Billy Quarantino. He's 14 and 2, and Kyle Nelson is 13 and 3. Currently, they got Billy Quarantillo, minus 250. The comeback on Kyle Nelson is plus 210. I feel like it's first round or bust for Kyle Nelson. Um, you know, in that first round, the kid throws heavy. And interesting enough, both these guys got a knockout win over a co main eventer, Kama Worthy, back at 145 pounds. 
so Billy gets off the slow starts. He's got a reputation for being a comeback kid, and he might have to get another comeback here, Shaq, because, again, Kyle Nelson comes out hard that first round, hits like a truck. Also, he's got some decent grappling while he's fresh, too. It's just that, historically speaking, when fights get extended, when it's, you know, a, when you got to bite down on that mouthpiece and both guys are tired, Kyle Nelson does not excel in those kind of fights, and Billy Q does. So Billy Q should 100% be favored here. It's just there's a chance he might get knocked out in that first round. That's what you got to be worried about. But if he does not get knocked out in that first round, I see him coming back to actually submit Kyle Nelson. So I'm going to go with Billy Q to get it done. Yeah, you know, this is actually one of the fights where I'm surprisingly, uh, you know, I know a lot of people are saying that Dogger pass and, you know, Nelson can win. Look, yeah, Billy Q loses pretty much all his first rounds, 100%, man. But, uh, man, I actually think, you know, this line's warranted, man, and I'll tell you why, because I feel like uh, Kyle Nelson's a big front runner, man. I feel like, you know, and I'll just say this just by listening to his interviews, you know, uh, just the way he talks, man, you can, like, kind of, like, he's very cocky, like, you know, the dude's like one and two in the UFC, but like, you know, uh, he's very kind, which is, there's nothing wrong with that at all. But like, you know, when you ask him like how the fights are going to go, like he has a very detailed plan. And, you know, sometimes like when you got a, when I say a detailed plan, I mean, he's got like a plan for like every stage, like, and man, it's like some dudes like that, man. Like, that's how, you know, they think too much in the cage. And that's when, you know, how you're saying, uh, you know, when the going gets tough, I feel like when the going gets tough, that's why we've seen him crumble, you know, uh, granted, you know, yeah, he has had that big first, he had a good first round against Carlos Diego, but I mean, how, how'd you think his first round against Matt Sells went? I, I didn't think that first round was all that good. I saw him out there getting fucking beat on like badly. <laughs> like That's true. <laughs> like oh so this whole he's a beast in the first round thing i mean is he like you know like i saw matt sales who ain't looking too hot lately himself either come out here and was literally i'm bisping was uh bisping was screaming from the side of the cage for them to stop the fight you know <laughs> like you know so i i wouldn't be so sold on this whole first round thing i get it billy Quarantillo is a very slow starter but man once that second round or even the end of that first round second round Man, this dude turns up in a way, man. Like, he goes after these dudes. Like, Billy Q's that dude where you got to – he doesn't stop. He ain't going to stop throwing up submissions. He ain't going to – his striking's not pretty, but it's just the pace, the will, the heart, man. I feel like he will definitely break Kyle Nelson, kind of like what you were saying. But Kyle Nelson, yeah, he does throw big bombs early. But, man, he only knocked out Polo Reyes, who, you know, has got no chin. You know, you know, Polo Reyes actually knocked out – uh knocked out for Vola, but we know he was on steroids that night. So, uh, you know, so I feel like, man, I honestly feel like Kyle Nelson's a, a front runner. Uh, yeah, he's got some big, uh, some big power, but man, if this fight hits the second round, man, you best believe Billy Q is going to not only break him, but break him very badly. Make him, I uh, may make him possibly quit. That Matt Sales fight's alarming, man, because look, that third round, he was honestly pressing him, but then he shoots in for a takedown, just falls over completely and gives up an arm triangle that easily, man. Oh my God! You let Billy Q, you you give Billy Q opportunities like that, man. He's gonna he's gonna do something very brutal. But on the at the same end, you gotta be worried. Billy Q gets smashed a lot in his first rounds. So, but we'll see, man. But I, I gotta go with Billy Q. I'm gonna say by third round finish. Now, next up in the flyweight division, we got a rematch between Andrea Lee. She's 11 and four, and Roxanne Modafferi is 24 and 17. Currently, they got Andrea Lee minus 325. The comeback on Roxanne Modafferi is plus 265. So they fought before. Roxanne won the first time. A lot's changed since then. Uh, if you look at the stats, actually, Andrea Lee's got Roxanne covered in every area, striking and grappling. I think she wins this fight, man. I think she probably comes out here and wins a decision. It's just I'm worried about, you know, Andrea Lee off her back. She does give up a lot of easy takedowns. And, uh, you know, Roxanne Modafferi is known for playing spoiler. She beat a Shevchenko in Russia, got a 30-27 there. Um, she, you know, beat Macy Barber this year, which was the biggest or second biggest upset of the year. So she's got a knack for the upset, but I'm a slightly lean Andrea Lee to edge this one out on the scorecards. Yeah, I feel like this is a good fight for, uh, for Andrea, man. I feel like uh, Roxanne, you know, she had the nice win over Barber, but I honestly feel like, honestly, it's going to start coming back down. Like, I feel like Roxy had a good run, but I do see it, you know, 
I don't want to say coming to an end because, you know, she's a, she's a nice chick and, you know, she has worked her way back up. But, you know, just the way the division's starting to trend. And, you know, I know uh, Andrea's lost her last two fights, but the one thing I will say, man, I honestly do see – I saw some improvements in the Murphy fight. You know, I know Murphy – kind of I know she was a big underdog and so a similar to line to what it is right now but you know one thing we said going into that fight was like you know on the Mara Barella fight it kind of seemed like Murphy was like a like a completely different person you know so like and uh and I feel like Murphy's just a, a lot tougher I mean Murphy just fought Montefiore so you know um uh, I feel like uh, Andrea had a better account of herself, you know, when we look at that, at the, at the matchup against Murphy, I feel like Andrea, her issue is just the takedowns. Like you said, man, she, she gets, she gets taken down a lot and, you know, uh, she gets back up. It's just that she does give up the takedowns, but on the feet, man, I feel like she'll be able to get the points back if she can, uh, if she can get back up and Mata Ferry, she just enters the pocket in the same way, uh, you know, kind of a very stubborn fighting style, uh, a very predictable fighting style. So, yeah, I, I think this is Lee's fight to win. Uh, as long as she doesn't get taken down too much, I, I think this is uh, in the back for her. Co-main event of the evening in the lightweight division. We got a matchup between Kama Worthy, 16-6, and and Otman Azaitar is 12-0. and Currently, they got Kama Worthy, minus 130. The comeback on Otman Azaitar is plus 110. This is a really good fight, Shaq. I'm really excited about this. These two are probably going to stand and bang until one man falls. So I guess it's a thing where it's like, has Kama Worthy, is he truly a new man? That, that's basically what it comes down to in my eyes because, like, a lot of those knockout losses were at featherweight, you know? Um, oh. So he's only well, – well, not the Paul Felder one, but aside, oh, like, yeah. from, the, aside from the Paul Felder one – uh, they've all been at featherweight. So is it a case where he was cutting too much weight? Because he's definitely grown into that 55 frame. I mean, he's tall. He's got the reach. He's an ox. He's just a strong dude. You can tell how hard he hits too, man. But Otman Azaitar's got that one-punch knockout power. No questions asked. So we're really going to find out. And I, and I respect the, the Azaitar brothers outside the cage too. There are some real badasses. But it's basically going to come down to can Azaitar knock him out or not? I'm a lean comma worthy because I feel like he's showing more, but this fight could go either way. But I'm gonna take comma worthy slightly. See, man, uh, this fight's interesting because I um, I'm leaning on uh, one side a lot more. You know, I actually think this is a good fight for worthy because you know you know when we want to know if guys have you know really turned the corner. For example, like uh, like. Like for example, Mackie Patolo, for example, you know he was, uh, you know he was un undefeated at 185s, and you know he beat Charles Bird, and then we, you know, we saw what happened the, uh, the the next two fights, man. But you know, I feel like so with Worthy, man, like if you want to prove that you're really this new guy, you know, uh, you know, like for example, Charles Bird, you know, we know he's like 37 years old, you know, he retired after, but like if we want to see like a new guy, you know, how about you start fighting these young prospects, you know, when you're like 30, 34, you know, and these guys are like 25 and, you know, they got all this hype and, and, and you finish them, you know, not, you know, uh, uh, you know, a close decision, you know, <laughs> it was, a it was as in Luis Pena couldn't take anymore and he, and he wanted to, and he wanted to go home, you know, <laughs> Devontae Smith. Uh, I mean, he got hit on the chin one time and he, he didn't know where he was. So I like Azatar. Uh, he swings his big hand, these big overhand rights. But just from like watching that fight with Packlin, I can tell that he's very reliant on that overhand right. And this would be honest here. Timu Packlin doesn't belong in the UFC. Never will. Never has. I know he got a win or two. I forget who it was against, but uh, against uh, that. What's he about Goody? Yeah, the French guy. Of course, of course, it was a, a French guy. But uh, you know, uh, Timu Packlin is a joke. Look at the fight before that. He went out the same way. Like so, I can't put too much stock into that win. I feel like the odds should be a little wider. He's proven a lot more. Like he beat two relevant guys, as where this guy. You know, you look at some of those local scene fights with Ahmed Azatar, he's still he's taking big punches. And you can I have a feeling that, you know, if he gets into the second round, that he's going to be very, very tired. He's very reliant on that overhand. Right. You know, uh, I can see him like falling out of position on his feet against Pakalin. But obviously, Pakalin is no threat at all. Like Pakalin, bro, Pakalin couldn't even win a fight in the NFC. And me and you both know that. Like, who? Who you got between Pakalin and Ra? I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, 
you know, Timu Paklin is a joke, like a bum. Like <laughs> there is no other way. Like I feel like Kama Worthy, like man, like he proved himself, man. You come out there with these, he's very alert in the pocket, and yeah, he might be a little stiff, but man, I really feel like if this fight gets extended, if he can avoid that big right from uh, Azatar in the in the early goings, and like you said, his, his knockout losses at one forty five, so I think the weight was a was a, a factor as well. But man, the dude is just oozing a confidence, man. When I hear him talk, if this guy feels like. Uh, like he might just go on a street, not saying he's going to fight for the title or anything, but it just seems like, you know, he's very, very determined right now. I know the Azatar brothers are gangsters and this and that, but ain't nobody can say can save you. And when you're in that cage and it ain't like they're not, if they were in Abu Dhabi, then I'd be a little, a little bit more worried. I'd be like, Oh man, I know they're out there uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to probably threatening comma worthy to throw gasoline on them and stuff like that. But you know, if you guys haven't heard what the Azatar brothers are, uh, are known for, but I got Kama Worthy in here in this fight, man. I feel like he's proven himself. And when you not just beat guys, in, but you finish them, you know, uh, like Luis Pena, I feel like he deserves to be more of a favorite in this spot, man. I feel like he truly has paid his dues. And, you know, uh, and that's just a, you know, we see that a lot, man, you know, and, and look at the guys he lost to. At least they were all in the UFC, man. It's not like he was taking knockout losses, like, you know, for example, to like Jalen Turner, like to, to you know, bums off the street. Like, you know, this guy was actually losing uh, to credible guys. I think it was more of a weight thing. I mean, you see how big and thick he is at uh, 155, man. I think he comes out here and really uh, and really makes a statement. I think he gets 50 G's and finishes out, man, Azatar. Main event of the evening, we got. Angela Hill, she's 12 and 8, and Michelle the Karate Hottie Watterson is 17 and 8. Currently, they got Angela Hill minus 125. The comeback on Michelle Watterson is plus 105. This is an interesting fight. Um, you know, I like the progress that Michelle, excuse me, that Angela Hill has made. I feel like she's getting better every fight, but I still got a lot of questions. You know, I got questions about the ground game and about what happens when fights are extended. So while I do think that Angela Hill, you know, she actually has more depth in her game. She's got even better hands. And Michelle still has, you know, the sidekick, the head and arm throw, and the back take. I feel like five rounds versus three rounds is very different. In three rounds, I, I favor Angie. But in five rounds, I feel like Michelle can get one back take and possibly end the fight. I know I'm not sitting here calling her, you know, some black belt or anything. But what I'm trying to say is, like, she took Joanna Young Jacek's back, and, you know, Joanna's never been submitted before. Angela Hill's been submitted more than once, so I could see a submission. I could see it being a close fight. I'm going to – I just think it's a pick em fight, so I'm going to slightly lean with Michelle Watterson at the dog odds, and we'll see what happens Saturday night. Yeah, man, I feel like this fight's interesting because I feel like they want – Angela to win I feel like you know this kind of is her fight to win just because you know she's kind of falling short and they're giving her another opportunity and it's like you know what I'll say is I mean it's not like Karate Hottie is gonna outwill anybody or out tough anybody like it's gonna be uh can Hill avoid all the little point bullshit to make this fight you know possibly close which could lead it to being a split decision which you know, could leave somebody uh, very upset at the end. You know, I feel like Karate Hottie really hasn't made that much improvements. Uh, you know, I feel like she's scared of a, a real firefight, obviously. I mean, you know, I know she took some L, like the finish losses to Nami Yunus, but let's not forget about the ones prior to the UFC. I know you remember when she uh, was tapping that mat against Erica Tabercio and Invicta. Like, she's had, she's had her fair share of stunts as well, like, Let's not forget Angela Magana also uh, took her down, <laughs> you know, uh, just for it. But, like, I feel like Michelle, she's a, a good tactical fighter, you know, from Jackson's, you know, all that. But I feel like when the when it's really time to bite down and fight, she does not have that, and Hill actually does. Now, the issue with Hill is I feel like this whole Angela Hill, when she gets to her finish, I feel like she is at her finished product, man. I don't think she's going to – I feel like she's – you know, what she is now is what she's going to be like. She's 35 years old. I think, uh, you know, she 
she kind of like comes out very fast and kind of hits a wall with the fatigue and you know uh you know but she's tough man she'll one thing i'll say with hill is she i think she does have the will like i feel like she does have that dog in her you know from that chow nan fight i saw it you know the gadelia fight i saw i feel like you know you put karate hottie in some of those spots and uh you know she might she might fold uh you know so i actually got hill in this fight i feel like it's more leaning to her. It's just hard to trust her at chalk just because, you know, she lost to Courtney Casey by split decision. You know, she, uh, you know, she's had these, the, the random Marcos fight, you know, uh, even though I feel like she's gotten better, but you know, a lot of the streak that she went on, let's not forget. She took a step down in comp, man. She fought like Loma and Hannah Cyphers and, and, uh, and uh, another debut in Carnalasi. So, you know, I, I feel like that's why she kind of was able to uh, get some wins. But I respect that. But I'll go with Hill. I just feel like she's tougher. I feel like it'll be 2-2. And I feel like she'll do she'll do more to, to get the win. So I'll go with Hill. So normally we do the fight to watch and fighter to watch. But I'm running out of studio time. So let's go ahead and wrap this thing up. Uh, you can follow Shaq at MMA Genius 05. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. Get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. Subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places where we are available. And also, um, I got some cool written work and some other video content at linemovement.com, so y'all should check that out. But yeah, get our plays at bestfightpicks.com. We will be back next week for the next card. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.